you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Right, I want you to grab your phone or your laptop or whatever device you've been able to make your comments with so far. Uh, I want you to, to quickly answer one question without thinking about it. Uh, what is your favorite gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Type it in the comments, hit enter, stop thinking about it, do it now. There's a 21-second delay between what I'm saying and what you're hearing, so I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't have my phone on, nobody's telling me, and I have a prediction. I bet the majority of the comments say Matthew, Luke, or John. It's rare that someone will say Mark is my favorite gospel. Janelle, what's your favorite gospel? Luke. Jeremiah? You're a seminarian. Seminarians say that mess sometimes. What about you, Sarah? John. John. Okay. Matthew is my favorite gospel. It's, it's, it uh, enlivens me every time I read it in, in ways different than others. Uh, and yet, uh, Mark is, uh, is the gospel text for this early season of Lent this year. And it, it's a text that we tend to, to not uh, give as much attention It's a text that uh, reads different than the others. Mark's our earliest gospel. We think it's written uh, uh, sometime 70, 80 AD. It's uh, um, finalized at that time. It's the source that Matthew and Luke used to begin writing their expansive accounts of the gospel. Uh, And it seems to be the most performative. It's it's written most orally. It, It reads weird if you're reading it, but it sounds like somebody's getting up and saying, let me tell you about Jesus. He went and did this, and then immediately he went and did this. It sounds like uh, the, the uh, roving uh, gospel reader is going to stand up and read this to you. Uh, Papias in uh, Eusebius' canon records that, uh, that the gospel of Mark is, is written down by John Mark, who is Paul's traveling companion, uh, but written down as he sits in Rome where Peter's in prison. And here's Peter tell the stories of his, his time with Christ and what is going on, and, and that this gospel is going to serve to do one thing and one thing only, to declare that despite his dying, despite his suffering, uh, and despite the humiliation, that Jesus was in fact the Savior of all people. And not despite it, but very much because of it, that uh, at, at every turn, these things point to Jesus being authentically uh, Israel's hope. Uh, Matthew uh, starts his gospel very differently. Matthew starts with three chapters of angel narratives and fleeing to, uh, to Egypt and this kind of childhood for Jesus. Luke starts it with uh, kind of this... Um, this almost letter beginning, uh, to my dear Theophilus, I have sought to gather together all the accounts of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we have more angels. John starts with uh, this Greco-Roman wisdom literature. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing came into being without God, and, and he was the first. I mean, it's just this uh, 
creation narrative and birth narrative all rolled into wisdom literature. And Mark starts simply with, here's the good news about Jesus, and jumps straight forward into the ministry of John the Baptist. We get exactly eight verses to prepare for Jesus. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, happened just as it was written about the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John was preaching in the wilderness, calling people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the peoples of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John and they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locust and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and to loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These eight verses that primarily function uh, to, to link us back to the story of Israel. Uh, this quote from Isaiah that there will be a messenger coming. This picture of John the Baptist as one wearing these uh, camel-haired clothes, eating locusts and, and honey, seem to connect us to Micah 1 and this picture of Elijah coming back. Uh, John the Baptist gets linked uh, inextricably with, with Elijah. And, and then we jump right into John's ministry of, of preaching a, a, a message of repentance, a call to, to transform lives because someone is coming. He's preparing this way for Jesus and, and announcing that uh, God's story is continuing. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit like a dove coming down from heaven. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my Son, whom I dearly love, and you I find happiness. At once the Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. Mark does in these, what, six verses, what it takes the other gospel writers' chapters and chapters to do. He tells us the story of Jesus' baptism. He tells us the story of his temptation in the wilderness by Satan. And he tells us the story of Jesus' first ministry. It's this uh, compact preparation narrative of the movement from Jesus as, uh, we assume, infant, since we don't even have an infancy narrative, uh, to Jesus in ministry. What, what does it look like for him to prepare and then launch into the ministry that uh, God the Father has placed on him? And for him, it looks... Uh, like submission to the discipline of uh, the people of faith in that day, to going down to John's baptism, to entering into the waters for forgiveness of sins, though he had no sin. And in that moment, it looks like uh, the sky is uh, being torn open, the text says, and the Spirit descending on him. And in this weird moment, we have uh, almost a new creation story where we have heavens and earth below. We have waters of the deep and we have God and humanity right in the mix together. And, and simply this, this almost secret moment. Uh, for in, in, Ma in Mark's text, we hear that uh, Jesus heard 
You are my son whom I dearly love. This, this message from God the Father to uh, Jesus the Son seems almost to, to build throughout Mark's narrative in this thing called the Messianic Secret where, where uh, Mark doesn't let anybody other than the audience into what's going on. We don't see people in Mark's gospel going, oh, like, this, is, this is the Christ we had hoped for. This is God's Son. Uh, he lets us in on a picture that maybe even Jesus' contemporaries didn't. Jesus is baptized and, and receives the Spirit and is, is uh, then tended to the, by the Spirit as he is drawn out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And we don't get uh, the grand unpacking that we do in the other Gospels. We don't get uh, the story of uh, the offer of food and of power and of land. Instead, we simply get that he was with the wild animals and was cared for by the angels. After John was arrested, this one small, tiny sentence uh, gets its own story from the other Gospels. John is arrested and brought in by Herod. Ultimately, he's beheaded at the the behest of the queen. Uh, And it's this whole big thing. But here, it's just a temporal marker. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. If we were ever playing like uh, Christian ease words, this, this passage is full of it. He came gospeling. He came euangelizo, sharing the good news, saying, now is the time. This is, this is that kind of time that is different than our clock time. This is that uh, time that uh, is where heaven and earth begin to have blurriness between them, this time where uh, we're, we're thinking more broadly than the limitations of a clock and a calendar. We're, we're thinking about God's timing, and now is the time. God's kingdom is breaking in, and, and this, this reads differently to Jesus' audience, to the ones hearing this word, because they've been expecting God's kingdom in the form of Israel for centuries. God's kingdom is at hand. Here it comes. This thing you've been waiting for is breaking in and it's getting ready to happen. And so repent. Change your hearts and lives. This this, uh, call to to an inward transformation that manifests outwardly in their actions. And trust this good news, this this gospel. We, We tend to think of gospel in terms of the four books of the gospel, right? But here, this gospel is a good news. Usually the good news was the good news of Caesar, but Jesus comes bearing the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news that Jesus Christ himself is embodying the fulfillment of Israel's story. He's bringing the good news that everything they had hoped for is going to come true, but probably in ways they don't expect. They, they are encountering the Messiah of Israel's hope. They're encountering the one who will be the king after David's own line. He's the one who will embody the covenant that was promised uh, to Moses and to Abraham and to David and who bears the new covenant that Jeremiah and Ezekiel talked about. He's the one who will come and baptize with the Holy Spirit that John uh, set the stage for. He is the one who will bring Israel's story to the conclusion and will give birth to the church's story. And Mark does this in six verses. Mark's gospel will continue with immediately and as soon as and just then. And we're going to run through 15 chapters, 16 chapters uh, to get to the passion narratives. And then we're not even going to get kind of the resurrection and ascension narratives that the other gospels get. We're going to get straight to the cross. 
Mark doesn't mince words. And instead, he simply paints this picture of Christ is Israel's hope. And, and now Christ is the hope of the world. For he is, uh, he is the good news and he comes proclaiming the good news. The, the epistles are written before the Gospels, we think. We, we get most of Paul's uh, letters dated probably before the Gospels are canonized, but yet our epistle authors know the Jesus stories. They've heard these sermons, these texts, and, and they begin to, to craft an early picture of Jesus uh, that looks, um, looks remarkably powerful. But then they do something that's really uncomfortable and they invite us to imitate him. And in Ephesians, we're told uh, to be, be imitators of Christ as beloved children. Hebrews is going to talk about uh, because of Christ's perfection, because he knew no sin, uh, we can be set free from sin. We're told to live as Christ did, to, to see his humanity as an example of our humanity. And in this Lenten season, we're invited to, to really look deeply at what that means. To, to examine what it means for us as the church, filled with the Spirit, to have uh, our hearts cleansed, that Christ might dwell with us, and that we might go forth bearing fruit in the world, that we might go declaring that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I, I love this picture, and I keep coming back to it, that the Bible Project has, that heaven is God's dwelling place, and earth is humanity's, and that as, as the Spirit works in and through us, heaven and earth begin to blend, and we announce that God's kingdom is right here. And we're going to go and say, change your hearts and change your lives. We're, we're not going to invite people to to a, a legalistic behavior modification program, we're going to point them to the good news of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead to set us free from sin so that we might be a repentant people whose lives are transformed, that we might go into the world and show the world that heaven is at hand and that we might go and declare the good news that this same God who took on flesh, the same God who entered the waters of baptism, the same God who pours out his spirit now pours the Spirit out directly on us, will transform us, will set us free. It's this season of repentance, of contemplation, a season of uh, examining our lives, of looking at what spiritual practices we're keeping, inviting uh, God to use his grace in our lives to, to receive the grace that God gives us through the ordinary means of grace and through special practices, a, a chance to lean more deeply into fasting, to, to worship in some different ways, to encounter scripture afresh, to, to pray a mighty prayer and to worship in, in, uh, in community with those of faith. And as we examine our lives, we, we then look and say, where are we sent out how are we sent out? And what are we sent out to do? In Luke's gospel, the, the, the calling for the church seems to be rooted in Jesus' calling in a different way. And in Luke's gospel, it's this announcement that uh, Jesus reads the Isaiah scroll and says, uh, I have fulfilled this in your, in, your, in your presence today. That is to announce that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to announce that uh, freedom for the captives, recovering a sight of the blind, and to set the prisoners free. And yet here in Mark's gospel, the thing that we are first seen to imitate is a public witness to the good news of the gospel. A public witness 
to a life of repentance, a public witness to Christ, Israel's hope, the founder of the church and the source of all of our goodness. Friends, it is Lent. And it's like a Lent we've not had before. We, uh, we mourned that Lent last year, uh, started uh, for one week, and then we entered pandemic. We had grand plans last year of what we would do and the people we were going to bring in to speak and how it was going to look, and everything has changed. And yet I find that if we avail ourselves of them, the means of grace have even more power these days. If we look for ways to engage with our church community, there is a a great sense of God's presence dwelling with each other and uniting us in Christian love. I've heard from so many of you how many you want to be in this room. And I hope you hear my heart. I cannot wait till we're in this room together. We'll watch the numbers, and it might be soon or it might be a while. We, we, we look and long, and yet at the same time, uh, not being in this room together has not stopped the church from being the church. How are you availing yourself of the means of grace? How are you allowing the Spirit to transform you that you might go in the fullness of the Spirit to announce that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, to call people to repentance, to change hearts and change lives, and to then go and declare the good news of the kingdom of Christ. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, you have remained the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your love has never failed, and your love went so far as to take on flesh, to go into the waters of baptism, to call people to your side, through the strength of your spirit to go to the cross and to be raised from the dead, that we might be set free from the power of sin and death and be transformed by your spirit into your body. Lord, help us find ourselves through the means of grace in new and powerful ways and to say yes to your grace, to allow it to work in and through us, to transform us change our hearts, that our lives might be changed, to embolden us to go with the words of good news and declare that your kingdom is at hand. Lord, on this first Sunday of Lent, as we we reflect on, uh, on our very nature, as we uh, practice penitence, We still come and worship to declare your glory and your power and your love to to declare that you are good and you are God and we are yours. Go with us, strengthen us, and fill us. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.